episode 13. Part 2. Part 2. Yeah, that's right. We uh, got off on a good start on the first one. Uh, talked a little bit more about my story. Mm-hmm. But I think this one's uh, going to be just as hype. And, you know, we get to express your story, which is very similar to mine just seven years prior. Yeah, when we're looking at gaps in our life and the, the kind of route, the unorthodox route that we took, it's pretty, pretty crazy. I don't think it's a coincidence why we both love fitness. I just think that with this route, that's just how we had to take it. Yeah, it's safe to say we are both in somewhat of a hole. Uh-huh. And we found this whole fitness route, this passion, and it enabled us to kind of dig us out of this hole. When I think both of the, the feelings we both got out of high school, which we, which was like, I have to get out of Naples, was that feeling. You said you felt it a little bit more direct where people would say, like, you shouldn't be in Naples. I don't recall it being like that, but everyone kind of felt that, like, you know, like if you were in college, like... We were in high school, and the kids that were coming down from college and coming down were like, yeah, that's cool. Like, he goes to so-and-so or whatever. But the dudes who stayed around, you kind of looked at them. I hate to say losers, but, like, it was like we felt like they weren't doing anything with their life. Or like, dude, I don't want to be like that dude over there, dog. Like, we got to make sure we do something. Yeah, I mean, you can almost label it as a loser. You don't have to be nice about it. That's the feeling everyone had back then. And when I just posted uh, our last podcast, episode 12, I had some, you know, high school friends that I haven't really talked to, don't really like my stuff on Instagram or, or Facebook, but they were liking it, wow. you know, and in the post I said, hey, you know, uh, I go way back to the point where you were looked at as a loser if you stuck around in Naples, you know, people labeled you as being stuck in uh, Naples, uh. not moving forward, so yeah, I mean, it's crazy to, to kind of reminisce back then, you know, it wasn't, you know, it was basically frowned upon to, to stick around in the in, in Naples. Well, what's so ironic, too, one is I think they attach, they can relate because that's what all connects us is our story from high school, leaving, being born in Naples, graduating Naples and what everyone did. But to the irony is that our success has come from living in Naples. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. There's there's so much you know room for growth here that that people give credit for. Yeah, you know there, there's plenty of opportunities, and you you know go way back when we were in these holes. Our you know demeanor and our mindset was the complete opposite. It's like there's nothing here. We got to get out. Yeah, and I. Yeah, and I think you just got to experience a little bit. You got to leave and do some other things to really, you know, I told you what one of my favorite quotes is, the mind does not know how to proceed unless it has something to compare it to. It's like when we go get a freaking price quote on landscaping and the guy, dude, this is real story, real talk last couple of weeks, and he gives us a quote for 1500 bucks, sprinklers and grass. I'm like, dang, that's expensive. We just got one today, another one. The mind is not how to proceed until we can compare it. Thirty-five hundred dollars. Oh, yeah, so that... fifteen hundred looks pretty cheap now, right? So who are you telling, man? I've been doing the same process with this dog. Oh, dude, tell me about this dog <laughs> you have. That's a whole different story. Yeah. I don't know if you want to tell people how much you're paying for that dog. Uh, yeah, what I mean, if Mikey said, bro, you can have a baby with that price. You said it too, man. <laughs> but yeah, we're in the search of finding a puppy, a uh, French bulldog. We'll leave it at that. You know, it's a. A high demanded dog breed. Uh-huh. So I'm doing the same thing you do, trying to weigh out some options, get some uh, connections. You know, I've gotten some. So you know, I just kind of just been preparing, um, comparing prices, just like you're doing the landscape. But uh, I mean, it's not going to be cheap, that's for sure. 
Yeah, well, I think you're doing the right thing. Like we talked about what you're going to learn. I mean, you've already made some big moves living with your girl, moving to getting a dog with your girl and the responsibilities is that's going to take. It's just, um, like you said, we have to elevate these relationships and test the waters and make sure that uh, that this you guys are moving in the right direction. No one ever wants to feel uh, like they're being stagnant. I mean, what a terrible feeling. Yeah, and I think that's a perfect segue to kind of rewind a little bit, you know, back to our, um, you know, graduating high school. You know, uh, I did a good job of going about my story, so I'm, you know, curious to see about your story. You know, that's basically maybe how you felt upon graduating is, you know, no form of direction, almost a little bit stagnant. You didn't have really have a game plan. I didn't have a game plan. I was the stereotypical jock who was living every day, your boy. Big hotshot wrestler, huh? Hotshot wrestler, placed at the state tournament, prom king 2003. Like, what more do you wow. want? Wow. What more do you want out of life, bro? Like, I had made it. That was, was the like, real deal in high school, huh? That was the pinnacle of my life, bro. No, no lie. No you know, that's crazy, man. I, you know, uh, I don't want to sound cocky, but I felt like I was, you know, the shit in high school, too. So I feel like if you're at that all-time high in high you school have, yeah. and you make that transition, you know, go or you know, after high school, maybe not even going to college, but you almost hit that downslope. It's mm. like, hey, you know, I was, you know, same same on on my end. I was a football player, you know, um consider myself, you know, decently popular all that. But yeah, you're at an all-time high. So when that high school ends, it's like, hey, now what? Yeah, it's the feeling that you're indestructible and you're Superman, and then when you get to the reality slash real world, it's a huge slap in the face really, really quick, and you're just trying to figure it out. And for us, we had, for me, I had to make a lot of mistakes in the process to kind of navigate the my path, right? My path. And once I accepted, like, this is a little bit different from what everyone else is doing, I was able to uh, really catapult myself back to success and um i'm grateful for those situations but i mean just like you you know we're coming at the end of your senior year and i'm trying to figure out like dang my buddies are going to college and i was smart enough to take the sat once my junior year don't even remember when i took it or how i took it or who sold me to take it but i did it so at the end of that senior year when buddies are my buddies are applying for college i'm like yeah maybe i should do this but you know i never took school that seriously don't get me wrong like the average, the GPA average was decent, but when you're trying to get in D1 schools like the University of Florida or UCF or uh, FSU, none of those schools would accept me. It just wasn't there. I wasn't doing enough stuff to, 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 to be seen by these schools. Yeah, because at the time, we're 18-year-old kids, you know. I feel like our school system could do a little bit better of a job of kind of preparing you for more real life situations and decision making than you know calculus or science well yeah we always say like i you know the guy who makes the, a life book to figure out this thing is gonna is uh you know gonna be set for life because there is a huge huge uh distinction between like it be it given to us like we experienced in high school and then that moment when someone says like you need to grow up like you got to figure this out and that's when it becomes real and um, yeah I think that transition can be a lot smoother if as parents we prepare our kids as the school system prepares like everyone has a role to make sure that our transitions are a little bit more smoother instead of having to make a 
a million mistakes and I that's one of the things right like one of the things they talk about parenthood I mean we're going totally off a different tangent is that they should we're teaching our kids how to be productive in society like that should be one of them not a nuisance not like somebody who's uh, expecting things to be given to them like we, I want to teach my kid how to work hard and and the the value of effort and what that could do to somebody's life yeah that's how it needs to be you gotta you know teach our kids how to be contributors you know you gotta contribute to the people around you you gotta you know ho- open up businesses to produce jobs you know basically you gotta you know like you just said nothing should be given to you you don't have a, a free ride you know, you, you look at all these celebrities that have free rides that, you know, were stars early, early ages. They develop drug problems. They don't know how to really deal with society because mm-hmm. they were given free rides their entire life. But you got someone that's worked for, you know, a thing or two. They, um, in my opinion, you know, grew up to be way more successful because they were learning stuff. They were doing stuff for themselves. You know, they were working, you know, early on. Yeah, they had work ethic. They were working jobs in high school. They were you know, saving money. They were, yeah, they had, they had the picture much sooner than we did. And I think that's why they are successful. So anyways, uh, the only school that would accept my dumb butt right after high school was the university of North Florida, but I had to go there on a probationary period, which was early, right? Super early. It was like eight weeks early or something like that before the fall started. And that's the last thing you want to do. You know, you just graduated high school. You want to start up, right? You know, it's, uh, now I remember it clear as day, you know, uh, senior year graduation, it's like, hey, last thing I want to do is start school again. I want a little bit of a break. So is that how you felt, you know, that, that summer? No, it was totally how I felt. I didn't want to go. I didn't have a choice. You know, their school would accept me. So it wasn't like, oh, okay, this other school will accept me in the fall. Like, I, I had no plan B. So I had to suck it up. And, um, you know, my mom packed me up in a truck. And six hours later, I'm in UNF, and it's just crash course, dude. Like going, like literally going down to the store in Jacksonville to get necessities that I need for my dorm room. Like it was that sort of thing. Like I was not prepared mentally. I wasn't prepared. Listen, I did what I did well and I survived. I, I passed my classes, but I didn't see, I couldn't see myself doing that for four more years there. So I called my mom up and, and I'm telling her my story, but I'm like, I, 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 I can't keep doing school, but I don't want to go back home. I had that sense like I can't go back home. I don't want to show face. I don't want to feel like a loser. So we get this bright idea that I would live with my uncle in Texas who I had only met once. This is my dad's brother. I met him once visiting my dad who was in prison. Okay. Uh, I don't even Why know. him? I don't know. I felt safe around him. We had made some communication back and forth, but, you know, I just, I felt like, again, like that was probably of the very few options that I had. That was one that I felt safe and I could still kind of figure this thing out. So you you mentioned your dad was in prison. Uh, I've heard that maybe a handful of times from you before. You think you kind of, you know, um, traveled to your uncle maybe because of that male, you know, role model figure? Sure, sure. I mean, I think there's something to that, uh, to that extent. I I looked up to my uncle. Like, listen, my uncle is your 
Cuban refugee snuck out on a boat on Cuba with one of his best friends and he freaking gets stranded 10 miles offshore and he sits in the sea for three days to make it on land Jesus. to do what he has done. He was a, an electrician by the time I connected with him. Like, how powerful, right? So maybe there was some model, like if this guy has figured it out and he looks like he knows what you he's doing, to him. maybe I can learn from him. And I just felt safe. I really felt safe around him. Um, so he did his best while I was there. But I just wasn't happy. Like, you know, I was working at a graveyard shift at Walmart. And then I moved into, like, you know, a UPS job at the mall. I was like, this is not what I want to do. And I'm just trying to figure it out. Yeah, uh, it sounds like at the time it was just another option. And you are desperate for another option. Desperate for change. Desperate for, yeah, man, something different. And what I had learned was that like, this is not it. This is not it. That's what I'm learning through that. It's not easy. Like looking back, it was like all those, those decisions just helped me navigate where I truly was meant to be and what, where I was meant to do. But in the moment, that's how no one thinks like that. Like what's Thomas's Edison quote? He, you know, he had it right where he felt like, listen, he could have easily given up on the idea of electricity, right. And how, how that should have been performed. He kept using it as like, okay, he said, I didn't find, I didn't fail a thousand times because the story is he, it took, he had a thousand failures before he was able to patent the invention of electricity. He found a thousand ways not to do the job. Mm-hmm. And looking back, I know that's what that was. But when you're in it, you don't think yeah, like that. Like, we're oh, so young. This is not working we're out. So I hate this. I hate my life. Blah, blah, blah. You're comparing yourself to all your buddies. And so I'm still trying to figure out I'm not happy. I'm living him with, living there for over a year. So Again, I don't have a lot of options, so I decide, of all things, that I'm going to join the military. So I have about a year before I ship out. I had this idea that I was going to what be branch? in the U.S. Navy. U.S. Navy. I had this idea that I was going to ship out, or excuse me, that I only wanted to be a Navy SEAL. I didn't want to get accepted into the military unless they would give me the opportunity. So to, uh, to get that contract, they call it, I had to get a certain job at a certain date. So that took about nine months before I did that because they can ship you out as early as next week. But to get that position, I had to wait. So now I got a story. I know where I'm heading, right? So that gives me a little bit of peace of mind. I can go back home for a little bit, enjoy myself, tell people I'm going to the military in a few months, blah, blah, blah. I get to the military about almost two years later. Long story short, uh, in training, I get injured. And the way... The way the relationship was built is that being diagnosed with this type of injury would affect my ability to go in combat or whatnot into the special training, the special forces training. And so, uh, one of my options were, were to receive an honorable discharge for the injury. So I did, um, it wasn't easy. I had to come back home again and give that story. Like, aren't you supposed to be in the military and still, navigating it I you know it'd be great to tell you that when I came home it got better but it didn't it got worse like this is a guy who's now spent three years of his life right away and he comes home and he has nothing absolutely nothing to show for it so I got a lot of money and I'm just spending it acting a full party and I'm just trying to figure this thing out and it's not going well I don't remember when it happened but I was able to reconnect with one of my high school coaches 
and he so moved, wrestling coach yeah this is my wrestling coach that who had coached me in high school and he had since then stepped down from teaching in the system to become a pastor for one of the the non-denominational churches in town and uh i was living in fort myers at the time and he uh, he came to me with a really really crazy idea you got to remember i'm 20 years old right okay maybe 21 21 years old and he he said there was two things that that would really help me turn around my life he said one i think you should go back into coaching when i was in high school i coached a lot of the youth kids during the summer to to kind of enjoy our time uh get paid a little bit so he said i think you'd be a really great coach i had the connection with the new head coach uh, one of my best, not best friends. I hate, he's a best friend now, but at the time he was one of uh, he was one of the best wrestlers on the team. He he placed second at the state tournament. He should have won it, to be honest. Uh, so he's already there. So I'm like, that's a smooth transition. So he's a previous teammate. Previous teammate. Yep. That's that's what I'm trying to mm-hmm. say. But the second one was was even crazier. One of his jobs as associate pastor was to lead one of the halfway houses. Listen. Like, I'm not doing drugs. Like, I drink alcohol, whatever. But you're not a drunk. I'm not yeah. an alcoholic. You just like to means. party a little bit back in the day. He, he proposed that, that I should move to the halfway house with, uh, because he was leading it and he, he could mentor me a little bit in the process. That's crazy, man. It's crazy if you think about well, it. What, right? are your, what are your thoughts of doing something like Dude, that? Dude, I was scared. You know? I was I'd absolutely be scared. scared shitless. Like, there's a huge stigma with people that live in halfway houses. Like, they're addicts. They're 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 a piece of garbage. They're bums. They're bums, right? But like, you know, when you're desperate, you do desperate things. Well, you kind of had your trust in your coach, you know, like that he wouldn't steer you wrong. He had never. That's really good. And. If it wasn't like if somebody else would have introduced that idea, I would have hell done no, it. hell no. Yeah. And he lived right across the street, so I knew like if anything ever got bad, I can go to him. Uh, but it was the most humbling experiences of my entire life. I must have lived there for over a year, and what I learned was that these men were just really, you know, like outside of the you know the addiction. Who they who they were trying to become was like me. Like they knew that like where they where they were wasn't where they wanted to be, and they were trying to take action to be better people. And they were trying to find some direction, just like you were. And that's what that home provided. I built some really great relationships there. These, you know, we're all trying to figure it out. But I'm still a really young guy. I end up getting the coaching job, cleaning pools, and that's kind of my life for like the next two years. But in that process, the head coach at the time. Uh, who I really started to develop a great relationship with, kept telling me, like, I should go back to school. And it was the last thing I wanted to hear because I didn't want to go back to school. I failed at that once. I d- had no desire to do it. But my my former teammate is another Cuban refugee who comes over. He comes from Cuba at 13, speaks no English. Man. And now he's in his third year of college at FGCU. And I refuse to go to college. Yeah. So I'm putting all this stuff together, and I'm like, I have to do this, right? So I take it lightly. Edison Community College, we had that combo. It was the community college, the local community college once down here. I end up taking a semester there. And I don't know what changed. I think it was the, the maturity with, like, me putting in my own money into mm-hmm. paying for school. Been there. <laughs> and just, you know, paying attention a little bit more, I felt it was easier, and I was getting more out of it. 
Yeah, you're probably sitting in a class like, okay, this actually starts to feel like how it should be. Right. Yeah, I, I've been there, man. I've been sitting in a class like, hey, this doesn't feel like the first time around. This is like, you know, where you should be and it feels right. It's like you have your, you're more level-headed at that point. No, 100%. And, you know, I just... I started to love learning and absorbing information and applying myself and taking pride in the work that I was submitting. Long story short, I ended up going full-time there, and I'm coming into my last semester. I'm in my third semester at this point where I end up hooking up with one of my buddies in high school. I think he was a freshman. He might have been even younger at the time, but he's a senior. He's getting accepted into UF, and we're chit-chatting back and forth, and he's like, yo, man, uh, I need to go up to UF because now he's got to sign his own apartment up there and look for stuff. And he's like, I don't want to go by myself. I think you should come with me. I got the hotel. I got, I'm driving. You don't have to worry about anything. Uh, just come along for the ride. Just come along for the ride. Well, I end up signing a lease with him on the way back. Um, I think there are a lot of things that connected. One was like the possibility of like this could be possible. He made, he sold that idea to me. Two was the excitement of the time there. This is when Tim Tebow had just won their first national title there. Um, you know, it just felt right. You know, it was one of those last minute decisions that, you know, sounds crazy now, but I'm so grateful I did it. Um, You're pretty close with this friend, right? At the time? Yeah, I was decently close. We connected on a daily basis. We worked together. Uh, so, yeah, yeah man, no. just, uh, just, you know, from a, a third party, I feel like, you know, this whole journey is you're coming across these people that are contributing to your life. You know, you got this this inner circle, so to speak, you know, a nice support system where they're basically taking your hand and kind of leading you, you know, just in the right direction. Keep on moving forward. Yeah, when people say um, what they did on their own or like how proud of they are of what they achieved, it's almost impossible not to be thankful of the people that you were surrounded by in the process. There is nothing in my life that I've done by myself. Absolutely nothing. Not me starting this business to me finishing my MBA, which sits me behind the computer. I have my wife supporting me and helping me and encouraging me. Uh, so never, and I'm so grateful for that situation. But I think in the morning, too, you're not like, oh, this is my inner circle. Yeah, chest bump. It's just yeah. like he's supportive. They they believe in you, and they they start you making you believe in, in those things that they believe in. Um, so it, I don't know, man. The story, the long story short, the, the spark notes, the last from that moment to where I am today, I started personal training, too, while I was down here. That's where... Uh, I got certified. So as I get up to UF, I said, hey, listen, I have one more semester. I go from going to Santa Fe, which is a community college, getting transferred in, which is crazy because the next semester they reduced transfer rates by 1,500 students. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm sure it would have been in. a lot harder yeah. for me to get in. Uh, I apply for a job for personal training at the recreational center. I get the job. The dudes, the young kids in the department are doing this thing called CrossFit. I'm like – I don't want to touch that, dude. I'm a personal trainer. We don't do that kind of stuff. <laughs> the graduate assistant the next semester, uh, who is a hardcore CrossFitter, who eventually becomes my girlfriend. That's how I roll. She did your thing, man. She uh, she made us all do a CrossFit workout. So not only did I like I 
crush everybody in the workout, it crushed me. And at the time I was training for a marathon. I ran the Disney marathon like right at the end of my senior year, or excuse me, at the end of my ju uh, junior year. So I'm at the, the end of my first year there. Uh, I don't know what the transition was. If you know anything about me, even though a little bit, I'm all or nothing. Like I either like I like you or I don't like you. I want you to do this really well or don't do it at all. So I don't half-ass anything. Nothing. It's not worth your time. Mm -hmm. So as soon as that experience happens to me, I'm like, there's something to this, and I end up eating up everything I can about CrossFit. All my personal trainers or clients turn into to CrossFitters. I start doing CrossFit. I hook up with one of my buddies who I hadn't seen in years at UF, who was going to med school there. Me and him are training almost daily in CrossFit. I come back home, I'm showing people my shredded body. My buddy's like, what are you doing? I'm doing CrossFit. I start a blog, and they start following it from home. So by the time, it was just natural, spark notes, I come back down here that I start keep doing CrossFit. I got a job teaching high school. I hated every moment of it. I loved the kids. I hated everything else about it, the bureaucracy, the like teaching a curriculum that nobody believes in. What were you teaching? Uh, English regular and honors my second year. Honors, bro. Mm. A, a Cuban teaching English, huh? Yeah, but, you know, I look white. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, so... I just, from that moment, I realized this is not what I want to do. I'm crossfitting still hardcore. This is what I want to do. And I just find a way to make it happen that um, I do them part-time both for as long as I can. It took me about two years before I felt like I was burning out and make enough money with the CrossFit thing for me to step down. And to I branch did. away. Gary Vee talks about that all the time. You know, start your business while keeping your day job until you're ready to make that switch completely. Yeah. I mean, listen, you can take more risk when you're younger, but... Why? Why if you don't have to? And that's what it was for me. And again, I was living with my girlfriend at the time. We had a condo. I was paying for my car payment. I had these responsibilities that I didn't. I wanted to to respect. So that's it. That's how I get there. And boom, eight years later, here I am. There you are. No biggie. Naples strength and conditioning, kicking ass. Yeah, man, we're doing a good job. Cool, man. Just just to recap, you know, uh, we talked about you know previously before getting on there. You know, we wanted our the biggest takeaway to be you know. Don't do it by yourself. Kind of, you know, um, listen to people around you. You, you know, um, give your hand out to, to try to ask for assistance. You know, try to find that support system. And it sounded like you found yours, you know, between your wrestling coach and your buddies, you know, your buddy going to Gainesville and all that. And uh, like you just admitted a little bit earlier that you couldn't have done it alone. We couldn't have done it alone at all through that process. And Two, the biggest takeaway for me was what I try to tell a lot of people is like, like when people see me and what I do, they think that I just woke up and it happened. Like nothing that's ever happened in my life has happened overnight. Absolutely nothing. What I do, I do consistently well, but I trudge through it every day. It's something that no matter how I feel, I have to do it. It's not fun waking up at 4 in the morning to teach my first class at 5.30 in the morning, but that's what I have to do if I want to get to the position that I want to be and to fulfill the responsibilities that I have. Everything that I do, I've done because I just, I just attack it little by little. I don't fall for the lie that if I take the magic pill or I do this new workout that everybody's doing or I follow this new trend, if anything, those things scare me and I want to step away because I want the guy who says, you, this is why we love Gary, you need to get in to the, the dirt, right? He calls it the clouds and dirt. The cloud is this big picture thing that we have, but the dirt is like the daily grind. You got to get dirty. You got to sweat. And that's what I've done with my life. You got to be consistent. 
every single day. You got to be consistent. You know, something that's fast and easy it's not. isn't real. It isn't real. It's not going to happen. It's not worthwhile. I say this all the time. In a perfect world, if somebody does create the magic pill that gives us the APAC, it means absolutely nothing because one, everybody can do it. Yeah. And two, it doesn't make it special, right? Why we feel so good when we finally achieve the physicality that we desired was all the hard work, the day-to-day that we put in to make that happen. The That's process. what makes it – yep, the yeah, process, the, the process. journey. Yeah, the journey. You look back, you know, just like we just recapped on these, you know, two crazy stories, but we look back, you know, us where we're at now, more mature – and, you know, we feel this sense of humbleness, like, hey, mm-hmm. we've been there, we've done that. It was a consistent grind. It wasn't easy. But like, hey, now we're at this point, pat, your, pat yourself on the back. You know what I'm saying? For sure. And so, you know, we have buddies that want to do stuff and start their own businesses or look up to other people. I say, like, follow your path. Don't don't stop looking at what everybody else is doing. Do you feel secure and confident of where you're at? Are you attacking every day to move you in the in the direction that you're looking to? Then stay there. Like be patient, hold on, keep doing those things. Don't give up. Yeah, pursue a route that you're passionate about. You can't do something every single day for the rest of your life that you're miserable at. You know, um you will not have a good quality of life if you're not working towards something you give a shit about, you're passionate about. And the gift is the, the gift is the moment you realize what that is. There are a lot of people who are living their life that have no passion for anything. Because they haven't found it yet. A hundred percent. And those people, those people are the ones that I encourage to like keep digging, try new things, like find that thing because there's nothing more special than being able to wake up every morning and do what you love to do. No doubt, man. I think we should call it right there. Thanks, man. We appreciate you guys hearing our stories it wasn't easy, but it was worth it. Yeah, no doubt. And hey, if you you know you like what we're talking about, just please give us some reviews, some comments. You know, I feel like, and I know Mario feels like that. You know, we're we're bringing some pretty decent fire. So we want you know maybe someone that is going through a time that we already been through. Maybe we can shine some light on them and get them you know through what they're going through. For sure, we're all in this together, and the goal is to ultimately consistently live life to the fullest. Uh, it's 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 uh it's a great opportunity to live and live life the way we do so we want everyone to do it as well no doubt guys see you next week thanks y'all peace